listening to the Kashyyyk Beach Party. That is a song by the band the Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience. It appears on their 2016 album, Meanwhile in Mallorca. And the reason I'm playing it this week is the same reason I play it once a year. It is somehow turned into the theme song for the Monster Rally Retro Awards, or the rallies as we call them around here. Here being Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and this week is a weird week, and that's because I'm re-recording the introduction to kind of explain what happened last week. So the way I produce the show is I do it in segments. I do the intros and the outro on the same time. It's usually the last thing I record. I call it my ins and outs. And then I take the various segments like Kenny or Mark or maybe even the big piece that I record with the guests for the show or even the mail call segment now, which has been getting a little more action lately, which I really appreciate. I edit those and produce those separately. And then in the end, I just stitch everything together, export to an MP3, create the show notes, upload, and there you go. All the segments were fine, including the ins and outs from last week. But for whatever reason, the exported file was corrupt. And I don't know what caused it. I did not check it. I have to be honest, I haven't really been checking once I upload because the way my podcast host has been kind of doing things lately, it's a little difficult for me to do the things that I used to do. I have to change my process because they've gone from version 4 to version 5 and I really don't like version 5, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, because of that, the episode didn't go out. Now, I did release a little kind of what happened to this episode explanation audio drop thing when I realized this had happened. It was brought to my attention by somebody during the Monster Kid Movie Club Saturday movie stream, and uh, I felt terrible, and I'm really sorry that happened. Fortunately, like I said, all the segments are fine, so you're going to get all of that this week here on the show. It inadvertently gave me a week off, and it wasn't intentional, but, you know, it was kind of nice. I was able to get caught up on a few things. My office is coming along really well. I'm really happy with a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. Things have seemed to be on and up. You know, I got a chance to go to the Bricks Cascade, the Lego convention that happened here in Portland. Uh, It was awesome to get out and do something safely, even though they lifted mask restraints or uh, mandates. That's the word I'm looking for. On Saturday, I was still double masked, as were a lot of people there. It's nice to see a lot of uh, people getting together, but still being respectful of what's going on. And it was a good time. In the meantime, you were left without an episode of Monster Kid Radio. And again, I'm really sorry for that. However, this week, I think we're going to more than make up for it because we do have Stephen D. Sullivan and I getting together to announce the nominees for part of this year's Monster Rally Retro Awards. We do the Monster Rally Retro Awards every year. Well, except for last year, because last year was just a total mess in my personal life. But again, that's a whole different story. The rallies, Monster Rally Retro Awards, are something that I really enjoy doing. But because we didn't do anything last year, and because some of the years in question are, well, a little thin, threadbare when it comes to genre movies, we decided to combine them. And we're getting part of it here. And I know that Steve and I are going to talk a little bit more about it once you get to that part of the show, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. Of course, so we've got Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We've been sitting on that. Plus, Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review, who is now inadvertently working ahead because I've already gotten the next Beta Capsule Review for next week's show. So that's awesome, too. (laughs) 
and I have some emails we'll go over. In fact, why don't we go ahead and roll into the mail call now. It's time. It's time? Yes, it's time. It's, it's time, time for Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio, Radio Mail Call. call. This email comes from Robert Kelly from the Record All Monsters podcast. Subject, past few episodes. Derek, the past few episodes of MKR have been, capital N, next, capital L, level. The Weird Wednesday episode was great. Planet of the Dinosaurs is a childhood favorite of mine, and the movie that made my dad tell me I couldn't rent any more dinosaur movies one summer. Okay, there's a story there, Robert, I want to know about. Maybe next time we record for one another's podcast or whatever, you got to tell me about that. Anyway, he continues. Ryan Langle and Swamp of the Lost Monster was also terrific. Every time you have him on, I learned something. An interesting thing about this movie, before Antenna TV became all digital, I used to be able to get some stations from Mexico, in addition to the usual over-the-air networks in both English and Spanish in South Texas. And I have a hazy memory of stumbling upon this movie, specifically the scene of the guy taking off his Gilman suit one Easter Sunday in the very early morning. A Fistful of Dollars was on another one of the Spanish stations at the same time. Maybe a Gill Man and Spaghetti Western double feature is due again this year. Oh, man. I love that idea so much. I'm getting goosebumps, dude. <laughs> All right, more, more email. Okay. Uh, let's see. He continues. Frank Schildener is another repeat guest that I get very excited about whenever I see their name in the title. His insights are always illuminating, and there's something authoritative and comforting about his voice. As to the priest's forbidden library in that episode's movie, as a former Catholic monk and one-time prospective seminary student who worked around exorcists and even assisted a few, they usually do have these texts, but not through any arcane and obscure source. Like Frank said, we'd order them from online if we needed to own a copy, and the seminary library, which anyone could walk into and read anything but the 500-plus-year-old manuscripts, had a very robust occult section. And then finally, I just finished the Mesa of Lost Women episode with Dominique Lamsey's, and what she had to say about Nightmare Logic was brilliant. It made perfect sense about movies that make no sense. I've been in quite a Euro horror... <laughs> I'm going to leave that flub in. I've been on quite a Euro horror kick, and a lot of these films work very well on the same kind of Nightmare Logic. The Devil's Nightmare and Horror Express fall effortlessly into the lineup from that point of view. Okay, I'll shut up now. See you for the Mighty Gorga soon. Heck yeah, you will. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll keep saying it anytime the opportunity to brag about this comes up. I get a lot of people telling me the show is great, and I appreciate that, but it's only as good as its guests, which is why you get people like Ryan, Frank, and Dominique, and even you, Robert, on the show. The show's only as good as the people that I have come on here because the points of view, the knowledge, it just makes the show that much better. And I get to learn something too and have a good time along the way. We had another email come in. That's what we got two this week. This one is titled, A Note from the Swamp. Hey, Derek, I haven't been able to join the Monster Kid Movie Club for several weeks, but I never miss an episode of the podcast. Really enjoyed the last show with Dominique Lamsey's. She had a lot of insightful points about Mesa of Lost Women, and she almost convinced me that it was worth a second watch. Almost. <laughs> I'm sure I joined my fellow monster kids in wishing her a safe travels on her cross-country adventure. Now, 
A quick question for you. Who does the intro music for Mark Matsky's Metacapsule Review? I always crank up the volume when the opening bass lick kicks in. It's a great little piece of music that I'd love to add to my collection. Cheers, your old Uncle Swampy. So I uh, will definitely pass this on to Dominique. And uh, I wish her the best with her move, but I am still kind of bummed out because I haven't had a chance to spend a lot of time with her lately. The pandemic and the move and everything else going on in my life made it really difficult for me to be sociable with folks. And I, I re forever regret that because it means I didn't get a chance to spend more time with Dominique. Uh, I'm going to miss her, which is why I'm really desperate to get with her and Chris here soon to record another episode at least or just hang out. Yeah. Okay, the music from Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. That is actually, for the most part, public domain music. It's something that I picked up when we first launched the Beta Capsule Review. I, I paid for it. Okay, so how do I pay for something that's in the public domain? So maybe public domain is the worst way to put it. It's not the right way to put it. It's uh, royalty-free. So I paid for it. It's a little bit of a licensing fee, very small, that allows me to use it on the show. So it's something that I believe you can pick up on filmmusic.io. I think that's where I picked it up. I'd have to double check, but I really kind of like it. I think it kind of fits the Ultraman vibe, especially earlier Ultraman where things were a little kind of funky at times with their music. So yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it works out well. Now there's a little bit in there that I did lift from an Ultraman show. Just, just a little tiny bit, maybe a sampling or a taste, a whiff of Ultraman music, and then the, the piece that I threw in there. I'm glad you dig it, though, because it really does fit, I think, what Mark does. And I enjoy putting it together and, and leveling it against what he sends in. And he always sends in great audio anyway, and it's just, you know, a lot of fun to listen to and work against a piece of music and then kind of figuring out the best way to cut it. And I guess Mark knows what he's doing. Anyway. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. I really appreciate it. I think I got all the emails. There might have been one more. I feel like I might have been missing something, but I'm not 100% sure. If you'd like to send in an email that I will more than likely read on the show, unless I space it out like I may be doing this time around, uh, this is how you uh, send in some correspondence or feedback. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting. 
for its next victim. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it's alive. A gigantic beast stalking the earth, crushing all before it in a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror, raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible titan of terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet planes cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, king of the monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, king of the monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, king of the monsters. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty ultra heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Episode 8 of Ultra 7 takes viewers to the marked town of Kitagawa, and the experience is not soon to be forgotten. The story opens with a group of school children bearing witness to a stunning act of violence. One of the kids is Ultra Guard member Anne's nephew, whom she has sought out in order to deliver tragic news about his father, an airline pilot who mentally snapped while on a domestic flight. While at the funeral, Dan Moriboshi overhears an alarming number of similar tales of normal people who suddenly lash out in a rage. The dread only grows when the Ultra Guard intervenes in an active shooter situation and Furuhashi is wounded. During his recovery, both he and Soga smoke cigarettes laced with a substance that provokes them to homicidal behavior. And Dan traces the tainted tobacco to Alien Metron, who calmly explains his plot to eliminate humanity by turning them against each other. The Marked Town is an incredible 25 minutes of television and is nothing less than an iconic installment of Ultra 7. That's largely due to the avant-garde sensibilities of director Akio Jisaji, the man responsible for some of Ultraman's most poignant and offbeat outings, such as My Home is Earth, Present from the Sky, and The Monster Graveyard, among others. Nearly every shot here is creatively framed and lit to maximize the emotion of the scene while sound and music heighten the drama with subtlety. In the end, though, it's the face-to-face -face between Metron and Moriboshi's Ultra 7 that makes this a classic, offering trenchant commentary on human nature, 
opening the door for Ultra 7 to question his commitment toward the residents of Earth and setting the stage for a brief but beautiful battle against the backdrop of a blood-red sunset. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. mightiest monster meets the world's mightiest menace. King Kong, bigger, stronger, more ferocious than any living creature, faces his greatest challenge in King Kong Escapes. For now, Kong meets his greatest foe, a duplicate King Kong created by an evil genius, built of indestructible super steel, 60 towering feet of invincible robot. King Kong, who can defy the might of modern artillery, tanks, missiles, the vast strength of prehistoric monsters, clashes with the Kong of Steel in the battle of the century in King Kong Escapes. All new, all thrilling, more fantastic than ever, King Kong Escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release in Technicolor. Human is the fantastic motion picture record of the search for the mountain creature of Asia, whose name has become a symbol of terror and mystery. The abominable snowman. This is the claw that reaches out to kill. And this is the footprint in the snow, so astounding that scientific laboratories throughout the world are rocked by its startling impact. This is a mole taken from the footprint found outside the cabin door. By measuring the width, length, the depth of the print, their composite picture described the species as being nine feet tall and weighing around 1,800 pounds. What did Tanaka say? Well, he was convinced in his mind that the hair follicle was closer to that of man than to that of any other animal known to exist. Now you can follow the relentless pursuit of a half-human monster whose earth-rocking fury broke the torturing bonds of his civilized tormentor. Half-human, he learned the terrifying power of fire over the natives who worshipped him. Half-human, he set off an avalanche of destruction against the invaders of his mountain kingdom. he still felt the surging need for human love. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, in honor of the Rally Awards, we are going to hear about an award show covered by FM, a write-up of the 1976 science fiction, horror, and fantasy Hall of Fame inductions was featured in FM 135 from July of 1977. The article was written by Paul Linden, was five pages long, and had six pictures. 
Let's have fun with who the inductees were with a little guessing game. We'll start with the easiest. This tall inductee played in everything from cheap Euro thrillers to mega blockbusters, but we loved his blood-sucking best. And the winner is... Christopher Lee, who according to the article was the life of the party with his funny stories and clever quips. Next up, this friend of all made colorful sci-fi and fantasy classics for MGM. And the winner is... George Powell, a truly worthy inductee. Number three, he wrote a Wolfless Wolf episode of Star Trek and a book about a strange mommy that became an all-time cinema classic, which led many to the asylum. And the winner is... Robert Block, screenwriter for Star Trek's Wolf in the Fold, the book Psycho was based on, and the amicus anthology Asylum. Corey's presentation speech for Mr. Block was a major part of this article. They are getting a little tougher now. He rode in Harryhausen's shadow, but created his own satyrs, dragons, and dinosaurs that thrilled audiences. And the winner is... Jim Danforth, stop-motion animator of such classics as Jack the Giant Killer and When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. This pair made wearing red briefs over blue tights a thing. And the winner is... Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel, the creators of Superman. The next inductees claim to fame... Cecil the Seasick Sea Serpent. And the winner is... Bob Clampett, of course. No relation to Jed, Jethro, and Ellie Mae. Last, and in my book, definitely least, I recognize him most as a green man in a short, showy guest spot in a classic third-season Star Trek. F.M. claims his role as Dr. Shrinker is his claim to fame. And the winner is... Jay Robinson, who also played the Roman Emperor Caligula in two biblical epics. So those are the Hall of Fame inductees for 1976. Now it's time to see who has a chance to win a Rally Award. So that's all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. When the forces of nature erupt, the ocean floor opens up and five men and one woman are hurtled 15 miles straight down to latitude zero. Discover the incredible space age world of tomorrow at latitude zero. Discover the undersea metropolis, the battle of the flying submarines, the attack of the giant mutants, and discover the unbelievable human transplant. A live woman's brain into the body of a beast. Latitude Zero, where man's future explodes 15 miles beneath the sea. From National General Pictures and Color Rated G, General Audiences. Godzilla, Ebira, and Mothra in one of the most explosive action pictures ever to hit the screen. From the depths of the ocean comes the most terrifying horror of the deep. In the mountain caves comes the dreaded monster Godzilla.
see the most titanic battle ever screened when the monster of the deep challenges the mighty Godzilla. I'm going to go ahead and bring in the man of the hour, the man filled with literary power. I don't even know where I'm going with that. Hey, it's Stephen D. Sullivan, man. How you doing, sir? Hey, man. Man of the minute, at least. Man of the <laughs> minute. I like that. Well, I like that. We'll see, we'll see how this uh, feed works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because we're doing this live on Twitch, and there are actually people watching and chatting in the chat room right now, we may even interact with some of you in the chat. I've got it up here. It's one of the windows that I'm monitoring. So if you have any comments about what we're doing while we're doing it, throw some words in and we'll we'll address it if it's you know relevant to what we're talking about. Anyway, what are we talking about, Steve? We are talking about the rallies, and the rallies are weird this time. They're super weird. Usually they're weird in that kind of wonderful monster kid way, but this time no. they're weirder. No. So the rallies or the monsto monsto monsto. It's, it's live, ladies and gentlemen. I am monsto. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm not editing this audio feed at all. So all the flubs that you're going to get live, you're going to hear on the podcast as well. The Monster Rally Retro Awards, or the rallies. It was an award thing that we dreamed up for the podcast where we honor the best actor, actress, director, monster, uh, and, and movie. Yeah, movie. <laughs> of the various decades. And Steve came up with the idea to do them in, in uh, chunks of decades. Chunks. Yeah, so 1931, 41, 51, 32, 42, 52, and so on. Which means and that was such a good plan. Oh, it worked so well for so long. It really did. And the next batch was going to be 37, 47, 57. And it, Except. <laughs> it flummoxed me so badly, plus life got in the way. We didn't even do this last year. We normally do it every year. So here we are in March of the next year, catching up, kind of. Yeah, because we're kind of going to do two this year, but they're weird which I, I already warned you about. Yeah. And why are they weird, Derek? You want to tell everyone why they're a little stranger than strange? Because for some reason year? or other, Hollywood decided they weren't going to make monster movies this year. No. So the, the history of Hollywood, especially horror, you can trace certain patterns and certain uh, uh, trends uh, with, and compare that to what's going on in the world. And when people came back from the war, uh, or even before the war or whatever, there just wasn't as much of a need for that. So we just were kind of in a period, especially, uh, you know, in the 37, 47 years, there just wasn't a big draw for it. Um, there wasn't, and there were, there were reasons for that. Yeah. One of the reasons was the Hayes Code. That's another one. And the Hayes Code was the production code that cracked down on things horror. And the guy that was in charge of the Hayes Code at the time, Will Bream, had a personal vendetta against horror movies he hated them mm -hmm. and so according to something I, ju I just read up on this last week according to something i read he spread the malicious rumor that the british censor film board was not going to pass any horror movies at all <laughs> because of censorship restrictions blah 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 and the war blah 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 turns out that wasn't true oh good that the british film board actually had and they had, you know, a, a little set aside for horror, and they were perfectly willing to do it. But Bream managed to convince all the studios in the U.S. that even if they made horror movies, they weren't going to be able to sell them overseas. So why bother? 
It's a and in 1937 and 38, they didn't bother. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, let's, as much as we enjoy these movies and you talk about you know, the other pieces of art, there's a sort of rat. The studios look at them as product. The studios look at them as as money making items. Uh, and if you don't have, I'd say I don't know how much of the international market really made up their income, but if you don't have that you're not making as much money as you possibly can. So let's not make monster movies or R-rated movies or whatever. And the Hays Code really screwed things up there. Let's oh, yeah. let's make, I don't know. Let's make romances. Romances, depending on which decade you're in. A lot of historical war films. Historical, a lot of war pictures, depending on what decade you're in. Uh, it's really, I find it fascinating, you know, just kind of see what's going on in the world at that time. So that's what yeah. screwed up the end of the 30s. Anyway. Oh, the man. The 40s was more just a general lull. People had gotten tired of it. Film noir was big. And the theory that some people have is that noir replaced horror in people's need to have existential angst and terror at the end of the 40s. So until the atomic monster craze started at the beginning of the 50s, there was a lull at the end of the 40s, too. So we've got... When Derek and I were looking at, at doing the years the way we usually do, we discovered that there's virtually no horror, fantasy horror and sci-fi films in the end of the 30s or the end of the 40s. It picks up again on at 39 at 49, mm -hmm. but 37, 38, 47, and 48, oh, they're lean, man. Yeah. <laughs> they're, and they're really lean. I would go as far as saying that the 30s in particular is the worst. I, I'm going to hold up for the camera for those of you who are watching right now. I, I jotted down some notes. The, the, look at all that white space. <laughs> look at all of that white space. <laughs> there, there's just not a lot to, to pick from. So we're going to do the best that we can. It, when we first started doing the rallies, each category had six nominees. I eventually decided not to just start putting things on the ballot just to have things on the ballot. So some categories might have only had five. And I think one year we might have only had three. We may end up definitely at least one year that we had four in yeah. one category, I remember. And and I there, think we may see was that. Was it fifty two that was terrible? It was one of the years in the it was either fifty one or fifty two that was just there was nothing there. Yeah. It was, you know, like the thing was the previous year and the and Godzilla was the the next year. So I think it was fifty two or fifty three that was just okay, a mammoth is one of our <laughs> yeah. monsters this yeah. year. So, and uh, we're looking at that kind of a situation here again in 37 now, and 38. Now, I, I really hope we don't have a category where we only have two nominees, but I'll tell you, I have a category with only two nominees in my notes. So I'm hoping that between you and I and the people watching right now, we can come up with some things to fill in the blanks. Oh, that'd be awesome. Hopefully, hopefully. So, That'd be awesome. uh, like I said, we, we honor the best actor, actress, monster, director, and movie. Which category would you like to start with first? Oh, geez. I don't know. It's, it's going to probably be easiest to do the films and then the directors and try to work back to the other ones. That works for me. Yes. That works for me. The, the other thing that we discovered is that there were some fantasy, especially fantasy kind of movies and occasional sci-fi yeah. in 37. And they were all overseas. <laughs> you know, I've I have a list of twelve things here, and uh, more than half are overseas for thirty-seven. And that some of them sound super cool. Mm -hmm. You know, like Skeleton on Horseback. That sounds awesome. I, I want to see that. I love the title. 
Yeah, but, I want to see it. But I've not seen it. You've not seen it. I don't know if anybody watching has seen it, so we can't say anything about it. Is it? Is it something that needs to be on the ballot? I don't know. And here's the point that I'm making with this. Every year, write-in category is an option. So if there are movies that Steve and I have, haven't talked about or don't put on the list, but you've seen and you're like, I can't believe you guys haven't talked about this. This is awesome. Put it in the write-in category. Post about it on Facebook and Twitch or, or Twitch, on Twitter, wherever. And, you know, maybe something will come in in the write-ins. Yeah. And, and the really cool thing right now is because we're on Twitch, you can actually give them to them here and we go, oh, yeah, how did we forget that or miss that? Or, wow, I want to see that more. I mean, one of the great things about Twitch is seeing the films that you haven't seen before. And just two weeks ago, I think it was, you did Snow Monsters and you did the Reindeer film. Oh, What's yeah, the yeah, the White, reindeer, the White Reindeer. Day of the Animals. Right? Yeah. Which was on our list in whatever year that came out. It may have even been 52. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't seen it. And now that I've seen it, and it's about a, a woman who turns into kind of a vampire white deer, man, that would definitely have made my list that year. Right, sign me up. It would have been right up there. Because it was awesome. So maybe, you know, some of these ones that we're seeing from other countries, you know, maybe you've seen the Dubyuk. Nope. And I, I'm not making <laughs> that up. That's a real title. It's spelled D-Y-B-B-U-K. Nope. But I haven't seen it. Oh, man. All right. Let's see. Maybe it'll appear in The Witcher later this year. It's because it's from Poland. So Good point. Anyway. All right. So. So what we're going to do, right, mm -hmm. is, as I understand it, we're going to combine 37 and 38 as one category. Correct. And 47 and 48 as one category. So we'll have, hopefully, all the universe usual nominations in those two categories and hopefully close to five one, of each. One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know because Derek and I have been very, very busy. Derek's been working and he's running the stream and I've finished my werewolf book and I'm working on monster sharks on a nude beach and working myself to the pieces here. Now, Steve didn't mention 57, 58, and that's because we're not going to do that this time. We're going to do this lit. Uh, do 5758 later this year. So They're going to have their own their own little sub-year. Because I suspect there's going to be a lot of really choice movies to pick from. There should be. One can we hope. hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost sure there is. I mean, if I just start thinking of, about those years. Yeah, 50, 57 up. alone. Right. Yeah. And, uh, isn't uh, uh, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad in 57? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Right around there, yeah. there, we start getting into Key Harryhausen stuff in those years. So there's going to be some good stuff there. And they'll each have their own their own nom. So it's a little, a little strange, a little different. And the way we're doing it is different because there's a lot more input for you guys. Yes. At this so how do you want to do this? You want to just start talking about the movies that you've seen that you want to put on the ballot? Yeah, why don't, why don't you talk about what you've got on the list, Okay. and then I'll join in, and then we'll see if we can add in some stuff. Because these are, you know, it is the Monster Kid Awards, and we do cover fantasy, horror, and sci-fi. Exactly. Genre. And, and thank heavens there's some sci-fi, because there's some odd ones in here that otherwise, you know, might not, might not have made the list, but maybe we'll be talking about them here, because it's a thin year. So I've got four movies. From 3738. Uh, I failed to write down which year they belong to, but it's the same category. So I've got four movies here 
Um, three, I'm pretty excited about having on the ballot. The fourth, there's a very specific reason for it, but I'll just, okay. I'll just read them off. Um, a Night of Terror is on my list. Night Key, which is a universal, I believe, universal film, isn't it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's Karloff. I'm pretty sure it's on one of my Karloff collections yeah. from Universal. The Black Doll. And the one that is on here for one very specific reason that I'll talk about when we get to it. Shh, the Octopus. The Octopus. <laughs> Those are the four titles that I have that I'm going to be putting on the ballot. Steve, you have anything else you want to throw in there? Yeah, there's, you know, there's actually at least one of those I haven't seen or wasn't on my list at all, which is amazing. The, so you've got Night Key mm -hmm. and you've got Shish the Octopus and then one I hadn't heard. And we're not, I, I'm going to talk about this, but we're probably not going to include it, which is sad because it would win a number of categories. Flash Gordon's Trip to Mars, the serial is that year. And I think <laughs> in the past is 1938. And I, I think in the past we haven't included that's true uh, serials. I'd love to include this one, not not only because it's it's a very early serial, but it's also a great serial and a great uh, fantasy sci-fi mm -hmm. serial. And it's got monsters, and it's got bad guys, and it's got all that kind of stuff. So I would urge you to consider putting it on <laughs> this year. So here's the thing. Um... But, but, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. we've got people on Twitch now that can chime in whether they think this is fair or if that's cheating. And Derek will tell you what his thought is off the top of his head, too, whether, whether, why we should not include that. So the reason I don't want to include it, and, and you've brought up serials before, um, is because I want to do a special serial one. I want to do, like, I've already started planning in my head, silent serials in the 60s. And and I oh, want cool. and I want to do a special one just for the serials because we've already skipped a handful anyway. Um, yeah, we have. And and I'd like to kind of give them their own shine. So that that's why I've always that, that's why lately I've been kind of like yeah let's let's not this time around. But that said, listeners, if you haven't seen that serial, go see that's it. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. They really you know it was early in the serials. Um, it's it's a Universal. It's not Republic, but. They really were throwing everything in the kitchen sink into mm -hmm. it. It was like everything that they thought they could do, Flash Gordon and then Buck Rogers, which I think is the year after or two years after. I'd have to double check. They kind of went all out yeah. for them. So we've got, you know, a giant dragon monster suit guy in Flash Gordon. And we've got Hawkmen with wings flying around. And yep. we've got spaceships and ray guns and... Oh, and Ming, of course. Ming the Merciless. Great villain. Great villain. You know, and that's why I said if, if Flash Gordon was being included, there's some some real standouts there that right. we could use. But so, but we will get them. They will get their own shine. They'll get their own kind of spotlight. They, they, they're not being forgotten or overlooked. They're being prepared for something special. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to take your word for that unless everyone in Twitch revolts now and says... Do it, do it. Well, you know, and that's the thing. Even if everybody in Twitch says that, it's my show. No, I'm kidding. It is your I'm show. I'm kidding. Man. I'm not, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not, no. I would really like to just kind of set them aside, so. 
All right, so so that's the one I felt I had to mention, but you probably weren't going to go for. But I don't think you put in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and absolutely, I believe this belief okay. belongs in the category. You know, and I was I was wondering about that one myself uh, because I I do include it later. So yeah, if Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is is something that you sign yeah, off on, I feel I'm strongly going to. about that. 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That works for me. So that gives us five so far. Do you have anything else that you think needs to make this this particular portion? It's kind of weird because there, in some sense, if we're looking for people to fill out categories, there are some fantasy slash sci-fi films from the era like Lost Horizon mm-hmm. and Nonstop New York mm-hmm. that we might be able to mine for that. But I'm not, you know, and even The Invisible Menace, which is another Karloff one. But yeah. I they're they're kind of less monstery for sure, you know. I mean, nonstop New York is is science fiction because it has a an airplane that flies from London to New York. I think I've shown and it. It's, I've shown it's it. It's the sign. Of, it's the size of the Titanic, right? Yeah. It's, it's an airplane that that you wander through like a hotel. So it's huge. That's the science fiction element. It's, and it's kind of a cool film. Yeah. But it's not. You know, when Monster Kids tune in, we don't want to. We don't want an airplane the size of a steamship. Right. <laughs> we want a monster in an airplane right? the size of a steamship. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, and I've shown Nonstop New York on the stream before on a Tuesday. So it's, it's, it's a good film and it does have that one science fiction fantastical element. Otherwise, it's just a story on a ship. It just happens to be on a big ship in the air. And that's cool. Right, exactly. So. It's a shipboard romance story in a, in a flying ship. Right. Basically. So, and it's kind of cool, but there, you know, there are these other ones that we haven't seen like skeleton on horseback. And the one that I, I actually found on the internet, but I didn't have time to watch and I'm probably going to kick myself is the tale of the Fox, mm. which mm-hmm. is, um, that looks interesting. That looks really good. French Russian. Yeah. Somehow. Um, and it's all stop motion and it's like an hour and five or six minutes long. So it's, it's feature length stop motion. Um, and it may even be in color. I don't remember, but I'd love to see that, you know, and it's definitely something monster kids will want to check out, but I'm not sure if that would affect any of the other categories. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get asked actor and actress out of that. The other thing that I should mention is, um, that definitely could be included as topper, which is a ghost film. And if you haven't seen topper, topper is (laughs) awesome. In, in Topper, there uh, Topper is a man who is haunted by two ghosts of his friends that were killed in a car crash, as I recall. And one of them is one of them is Cary Grant. So, so I don't know if you follow Cary Grant's films at all, but Cary Grant is one of the great wonders of Hollywood stars. He's just amazing. Oh, he's uh, he's awesome. Um, okay, and, let's see. And I think that's Cary Grant, Constance Bennett. And oh, what's his name? Roland Young. Uh, Roland Roland Young. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I think that really might be be worth putting on it. And it, it although it may completely screw up the actor. No, no, no. You know what? <laughs> I seriously, there's another Cary Grant film that I thought about putting in here. I forget which one it was, but because this is not the only time Cary Grant appears on a movie in which there's a ghost. 
So, <laughs> you know, uh, I thought about putting something else in here too. I'm pretty sure anyway. Uh, so yeah, you know what? Let's put Topper on there. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. All right, so. Cool. So, we're going to leave off the Hitchcock film because it's more mystery and suspense, even though some people says horror in it because the lady vanishes. But she doesn't vanish because she's a ghost. So, <laughs> but Cary Grant is a ghost. And so are Constant Bennett. And, and it's a fun film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Okay, everybody, what I'm going to do is I'm going to flash a graphic up on the screen. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to save this to the end, but I am taking copious notes so that uh, I can come back to this later. And then I'll put a graphic on the screen then. But uh, let's recap. For best movie for 1937-1938, on the ballot, we've got Shh, Shh, The Octopus, Night Key, The Black Doll, A Night of Terror, yeah, Night of Terror, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Topper. Okay, that that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so far, <laughs> we're, we're one category in. <laughs> right. Well, and, and in my in my suggestion, I'm going to suggest since we've got that, we can work the directors going backwards. If we need that. to, yeah, we certainly can. So, uh, which category you want to tackle next? Do you want to do the directors? Or do you want? To... I'm I'm cool with that. All right. All right. Well, so, let's... on my list, I've got three. Can I even read Go. that in my funny light setup here? William William C. McGann, who directed the Octopus, that's just fun to say. Roland V. Lee, who directed A Night of Terror, and Lloyd Corrigan, who directed Night Key. Uh, Night Key, I haven't seen in a long time, but I really like it. Why am it. I missing a Night of Terror? I brought that to our attention, I thought, and I cannot find it on my list. Night of Terror, it's a Basil Rathbone vehicle. It's really good. Oh, maybe I haven't seen that one, though. Maybe I'm confusing it with the Poltergeist one. Was that in mm, yep. 37, that'll, 38? That'll come up, too, because there's a Poltergeist one that I ended up watching that I liked. So, Yeah, that had two titles, and I don't remember either of them yeah. right now. Uh, okay. So yeah, we've got uh, those three. Now, who else do you have that well, I don't have? Obviously, we could put in Norman Z. McLeod for Topper. And the the question then I have, well, that, and that'll give us four. The question I then have is whether we want to go with Walt Disney and company for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. No, I had that thought. And I, I think that's probably fair because in some sense you could credit Disney for doing it, but in some sense it was a collaborative venture between him and a lot of, uh, you know, the other people that put, helped him put together the sequences, even though he was coordinating it, which is basically, you know, the thing that the director does is mm -hmm. go through and say, I don't like this scene with the bath towels. You need to make it funnier and that kind of stuff. It's, and it's somewhat different directing than one would do on a live picture. But I, I, Snow White is so good. I think you need, well, and I think you need to actually put it in there. You know, I think in terms of monster kid cred, there's some scary stuff in that movie. There is. You, absolutely. Go back and watch you know, just any early Disney. There's some really scary stuff in there. And I love it. So yeah, we'll put we'll put Walt Disney and Company for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. When the official ballot goes out, I'll see if there's any other names that I can scrounge up to put on there to give them their credit. But yeah, it's a Walt Disney movie. So yeah, okay. 
I'm cool the with that. The other one that, if, if you want to stretch out into fantasy, the other really obvious one is Lost Horizon, which was directed by Frank Capra. So I have and never seen it. And it's a fantasy it. movie. I've never oh, seen it. Oh, it's a it. great film. It's a great film, and they've actually, sadly, it's one of these films that they've lost chunks of since the original release. But they've recreated them with, you know, uh, stills frames and descriptions and stuff. Really? But it's about it's about uh, a man who gets lost in the horizon in the Himalayas, I think, and makes his way to the lost city of Shangri-La, which is an immortal city hidden in the mountains where if you go there, you never grow old. Okay. And it's it's a classic fantasy story and yeah. idea. I mean, how often have you seen Kunlun and all the other lost cities in the Brigadoon, yeah. Brigadoon, all of that stuff. I think Lost Horizon and now someone will it'll prove me wrong, but I think Lost Horizon predates all the other ones. It's the ones on which all these other ideas are based. I'm okay and maybe with that. There's probably something in, in Robert E. Howard or, or a Trigger writer Haggard, Haggard that may predate. You know, it does sound like a Haggard. Oh, it really does. But it's it's not a haggard. It's and it's a classic story. It is uh, from a novel, and it's a a fabulous. Okay. It, it's it's a fabulous movie. No, it's it's really it's top flight. It's you know I give four or five stars. Where three stars is a movie I feel is well worth watching, and then it just gets better. And it's either four or five stars. It's been a way, while since I've seen it. Okay. But the production it stars oh, Roland oh, Blast it. What's his name? It's got strong stars. Um, it's got yellow face. <laughs> wow. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. That's the thing. So, <laughs> Roland, no. Rob, Robert Donut? Is it Robert Donut? Ronald, Ronald Roland Coleman. Young. Ronald Coleman. That's who I was trying to think of. Okay. Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you've convinced me. We're going to put it on the list, on the ballot, and I'm going to track it down and watch it. Because I, yeah, I no, like Capra. Very cool. Capra, I, I once dated a girl many, many moons ago, who loved the movie It's a Wonderful Life, like obsessed over it, which is the Capra yeah, I film. I love that film, actually. And, and <laughs> you know, that's cool. Um, made buying herself for Christmas real easy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but while she fixated on that film, I use that as a jumping off point to check out Capra. And I like him. I like what he does. So, yeah, I'm interested to check this out. Yeah, no, it's really good. Okay, fair enough. Uh, anything else to put on the list? directors because right now we're sitting at six yeah six is more than enough sounds good to me six is good you know i mean why stretch it when we've got six we feel pretty pretty confident so uh just to read these off william c mcgann Wolin v lee lloyd corrigan norman z mcleod walt disney and company and frank capra that is a dinner party i would love to go to all right let's uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, look at that. Between the two years, we managed to get six. Yeah, we're you know it's still doing okay. I want to comment real quick in the chat because I see uh, some comments about some other great movies. Uh, these titles that you're mentioning here, Fantasia, Things to Come, The Transatlantic Tunnel, these are all great movies. They're just not released in the years that this year's rallies is honoring, which is why they're not on here. But dude, if these are movies that you've seen, you've got great taste because these movies are awesome. So anyway. Yep. All right, uh, so we got movie and director. Let's see, that leaves us with three categories left. What do you want to tackle next? The hard ones. Which one do you want to try? <sighs> Actress. Let's, let's, 
actress or actor? Uh, actress is the hard one for me. I don't know about for oh, you. All right, good. Oh good. boy. Then, then we're then we may be all right. <laughs> all right. So I've got two on my list here for best okay. actress nominees uh, for 1937, 1938 genre films: Nan Gray from The Black Doll and Elspeth Dergian. I don't know if that's pronounced correctly. I'll find out though before the actual award show happens. Uh, she is the character Nanny in Shh, The Octopus. She is the character who also, spoiler, plays a, a dual role, basically. There's a twist in the movie, and Shh, The Octopus has an amazing on-screen transformation scene where she goes from little old lady to basically a witch. Oh, yeah. And it's, right. it's done the exact <laughs> same way they did the classic Jekyll and Hyde transformation. Nobody knew how it was done for years. It is super slick and super cool. And the only reason I'm mentioning Shh, the octopus so much on the rally nominations, nominations this year. <laughs> I'd forgotten that was at the end of Shh, the octopus. Yeah. That scene was like, I got to the end of the movie and saw that and wished I'd paid a little more attention to the whole it's, rest of the movie because that was so cool. That scene is amazing. Uh, it's just so cool. So those are the two that I have. What, what do you have? All right, here we go. I think we need to add, con these are easy because of some things we just talked about. I think we need to add Constant Bennett as Marion Kirby, one of the ghosts in Topper. Constance Bennett? Constance Bennett. Okay. Two N's, two T's. All right, thank you. I think we also need to add Billy Burke. Yes, the Glint of the Good Witch playing mrs topper she's hilarious okay okay <laughs> so that that's the easy ones from those two and here two more as soon as my imdb starts loading up come on imdb well we've got four so that's a good start do this well i'm going to tell you the other two and maybe it's loaded on your page before it loads on mine i'm going to uh i'm going to nominate the the uh, snow white and and the evil queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now, I had every intention of mentioning the Evil Queen for Best Monster. Um, I think she's a fabulous actress, and even though we're only seeing her voice, I, you know, I know that's this is a weird say that again. thing for me to suggest. I think she's a fabulous actress, even though we're only hearing her voice. Okay, because you said seeing there, and it kind of threw me off for a second. <laughs> like what? Huh? Okay. <laughs> so I would, I would recommend her for that and unfortunately i actually called up that would be lucille laverne who's the queen the evil yep queen. and adriana casalotti as snow white's as snow white you know what and I'd, I'd make the same argument for both of them i think they're so key to this film i would agree with you that and there we've got six look at that wow it's like our powers combined steve i know all right. Yeah, this is like watching that game show we saw at Monster Bash that had the What's My Monster and it had the, the panelists in there and and Joshua Kennedy was among those panelists and suddenly he would just come up with a it would be you had so many questions and then you were cut off or and the guy won. And on the last thing Joshua Kennedy would say, Are you? and then come up with whatever it was. Ah, <laughs> except for one person. Except yours, Me. right? <laughs> I stumped you stumped, him. You were the only one that stumped That's the right, right. That Monster of Piedras Blancas. That's the stuff right there. There you go. And that's not even a really hard one. It just managed to catch him off guard, I think. Yep. 
I know Chris McMillan tried to get him with green slime, which I thought was kind of cool too. Anyway. Yeah, it was a fun show. But anyway, the, my point is that the power of, uh, you get three people that are pretty good at stuff together mm -hmm. and suddenly it becomes much easier. So for just two of us, we're doing good. We are. Let's uh, see if we can keep this uh, luck train going with best actor. I've got three. What do you got? Or should I, actually, why don't I just read what I have and then we'll go from there. Change the format all of a sudden, Derek. No, I'll just read mine. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Best actor category. Todd Slaughter from It's Never Too Late to Mend. Now, I'm going to be completely honest. I've not seen that film. Um, but it's Todd Slaughter. And he's amazing. Basil Rathbone from A Night of Terror. And come on, you can't have the rallies without Karloff. Boris Karloff from Night Key. Those are the three on my list. I'm curious to hear what Steve's got. Although he's gone dead silent, so I hope he's still alive. Darn, I, I thought I'd unmuted myself after <laughs> I took a drink. <laughs> he's still there, folks. I'm still here. I'm still alive. I haven't worked myself to death yet. Hopefully not for many years to come. Yeah. But this is the really easy slam dunk one right off the top is Cary Grant. Yeah, we're going to add top. We're gonna add Cary Grant for sure. You know, you might consider Roland Young, but I definitely think you need to put Ronald Coleman from Lost Horizon on there. I I trust you on this one. Yeah, and and then I'm okay. This is a great performance, but it's in yellow face. So Ooh. Sam Sam Jaffe, the great Sam Jaffe. Oh man, yeah. Who often played ethnic parts mm -hmm. played the High Lama in Lost Horizon. He's fabulous. He's you know he's not in the film huge amounts, but he's great. Have you ever seen Sam Jaffe in a role he's not great? No, I mean Whether, he's fantastic. Yeah, right. He is the High Lama in Lost Horizon, so I he probably belongs there, but it's a yellow face role, so it's that's a that becomes a tough call okay and the silence fell over monster kid radio well i'm trying something here i'm starting a poll should we include Ooh. sam jaffe so uh it is running right now we'll uh circle back to it once all right yeah i've cast my vote okay <laughs> Uh, let me save the document. All right, how many how many do we have now? Um oh uh, nominees for that category? Yeah. Five. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh with Sam or without Sam? Without Sam. Okay. All right. Well let's see how the that turns out before we decide if we want another one. I, we could put in Roll of Young from from Topper. He's really, really good. Okay. And he's Topper. <laughs> he's the title character. Sure. So one would expect that he would be quite good. Right. So, uh, but, but we can circle back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to it. In the meantime, let's talk about the big one, the one that we all love, Best Monster, uh, on which I have the evil queen from Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she's the obvious pick, and I was going to suggest we, we include her if you 
you hadn't already included her. Part of me thought we could include her twice as the queen and the witch. <laughs> I was like, but maybe yeah. that's, uh, and maybe that's stretching it I'm, a little bit. I'm also going to put the octopus in here from the octopus. Not, I mean, there is an actual giant octopus in the movie that kind of sort of maybe kills somebody, but I don't know. I know so, it's a stretch. So are you including the octopus or are you including the witch? See, that's the thing. It's a stretch. So I don't know if I'm going to keep it on there or not. What do you have? Um, well, obviously, you know, they're funny, but you could put both of the ghosts from Topper on. They're ghosts. They're monsters. So that would be Cary, Cary Grant as um, Kirby, George, George, George Kirby, the ghost. <laughs> you could put Constant Bennett as Marion Kirby, the ghost. I think what I'll do, because we've done something similar in the past, uh, I'm just going to do the ghosts of Topper as like one. Because, as one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that, that works, but that doesn't get us out of a jam. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, it comes down to maybe we do some write-ins. I don't know. I, I Right. Well, this is this is where I wish we had yeah. all the monsters from Flash Gordon. <laughs> I mean, I hear Hitchcock was pretty rough on his actors. We can put him down as a monster for right, Lady Vanishes. As, <laughs> as the guy. There's not really a villain in, in Lost Horizon, so we're kind of stuck there. Yeah, so and same with Night Key. Villain, not monster uh yeah exactly the same with the night key as i recall i mean there's there's like bad guys but they don't really qualify as monsters non-stop new york no monsters in that uh you could put down the evil queen's crow from snow white i suppose <laughs> right? it's, it's got a crow or it's a crow or a raven but it's an evil bird. There's an evil bird in oh, evil bird from Snow White. Is it a crow, a raven? Someone, someone, type in what kind of an animal that is. Crow, raven, or is it a vulture? I don't remember. It's been so Gosh, long. Yeah, I haven't seen Snow it in White. a long time. So oh. maybe anyone in the anyone in the chat room have a great idea for that? I'm not. So we could do that. That that's kind of obvious. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a real stretch, though, too. <laughs> it's, it's a stretch but we've had weird stuff on this before sadly I've, i have a feeling if we'd seen the tale of the fox there's probably some cool villains in the tale of the fox so why don't we can we kind of put a reserve on maybe a villain from that how many we got only three only three oh man see this is this is why this was a problem there are our villains in the lady vanishes but again that's suspense mystery uh we've got all these cool kind of foreign films <laughs> uh the invisible menace which has karloff in it but I, is anyone really invisible is there really a menace it's, i think i've seen it but it's been so long i don't yeah. remember for sure so and uh how's our poll doing by the way uh it's almost one, over um almost over i'm looking at Okay. It's a raven. It's a raven. It's a raven. Yeah. Put the raven down. We've done that. We've done crazy stuff like that. Before. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the raven. All right. Cool. So that gives us four with, you know what, Steve and I will probably, um, I know I'm going to go and watch Last Horizon, maybe even tonight when we're done recording. Yeah, um, if you can find it. 
I don't think there's a, a strong villain in there, but maybe there is. Yeah. Because it's more about becoming enlightened and letting go of your stuff. And it's, it's a cool movie. <laughs> All right. So here's what we've got. We've got the evil queen and her raven, the octopus and the ghosts of Topper. That's four entries. And we've got some, you know. And we're places. hoping we might find, I'm hoping we might find one in Tale of the Fox. Yeah. So cool if that. you go to my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. There is, I believe, a public folder that has that is just called Rallies, which has four of the hard-to-see films from this set of years in it. So if people want to do that, they can do that. Like, subscribe, blah, 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 all that stuff. <laughs> I put them in a, in a little folder for myself, and you can use it too. All right. Uh, I have found it, and I'm going to put a link in the chat. And in the episode itself, we'll make a link in the uh, show notes. Cool. Awesome. I think that gives Tom, us... was that us you were calling the weird wonder twins? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Shape of an eagle. <laughs> Shape of a bucket of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well... I mean that. Wow, did we just finished 37 and 38? Look at this. Look at us. Did we get that alive? We, we, we survived it. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I'm feeling good. Let's keep this going, well, man. Or do gonna, we need to take a break? Take this... No, no. We're going to take the same tack with 47 and 48 now. Yes, we are. Let me go back to my pick. A lot less white space on this one because I have some picks. And uh, I think. Yeah, there's a and there's a big a one. A lot of the ones I have marked are serials. Well, there's a, so, there's a we big movie that came out in 48. Yeah, there's a big movie that categories in 48. So, yeah, you want to just do it in the same order we did? We start with the movie? Yeah, let's start with the movies and work, then the directors and work into the actors and the monsters. So here's what I've got. I've got Things Happen at Night. Now, this is a British film based on a story or a novel called The Poltergeist. I found it quite charming. I watched it the other day. I mean, and it's I re- a comedy. I liked it. And it's, Me too. it doesn't get Scooby-Doo. It's great. Yeah, no, it's an actual poltergeist. Yeah. In the in the film about a poltergeist. Uh, yeah, no, I, I dug it too. So absolutely put it in there, babe. I've got a movie called Portrait of Jenny. Have you seen this? I have seen Portrait of Jenny. It's been a long time, but it's it's, it's kind of a wonderfully creepy yeah, fantasy movie. and I really oh. like it. And then the other one that I have on here is the big one. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right, yeah, no. Is, really? You put that on there? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I like Abbott and Costello. <laughs> oh, man. No, the we got it. Oh, man, it's so good. 47 and 48 is that there are a lot of fantasy films yeah a lot of fantasy films and some of them are really good yeah but they may not be what we usually go for so i'm gonna very quickly scan my list here for 47 48 and see if i could pick out something that is obviously a monster thing i'm looking at your list here and i don't know how i skipped this one yes I'm pretty sure we did Scared to Death. When did Scared to Death come out? I found it on a list for this. 
So you, you can look it up again. There is always a chance that the research may conflict uh, between IMDb and some other thing. So the Internet Movie Database says 47. Uh, I'm sorry, 46. Wikipedia says 47. I'm going to go check the release dates right now. I think this came up, though. I think we've already nominated this at one point, but I'm going to double check. Have we nominated Scared to Death? I'm going to double check. So there, and there there were also a number of um, near horror pictures in the in the the thing in this era that were they're now noir things that have maybe some horror movie trappings and I'm going to name Nightmare Alley and The Amazing Mr. X otherwise known as The Spiritualist as these are they have the trappings of horror films. But then they're, you know, it's like fake spiritualism. <laughs> Which I love because spiritualism is fake. Sorry for any of you who are uh, now upset about that, but it, it's it's a fraud. Okay, there are maybe well-meaning frauds sometimes, but it's a fraud. I have some information here about Scared to Death. What you got? So I'm going to call it a release that came out in 1947, only because it only played in 1946 for like two weeks. Its release premiere was for some reason or other Sand Springs, Oklahoma. December 18th, 1946. The rest of it's 47, and it didn't end up on the ballot before I just double-checked for the 46 years. So, you know what? Executive decision. I'm calling an audible. Scared to death. We can we can include that, which means we have Lugosi on the ballot, so all is right in the world. Yep. There we go. <laughs> so good. I'm glad. If we didn't put it on the ballot before, it definitely goes on this year. Yep. The end of story. One you didn't mention that we both love is down near the end of 48 because it's alphabetized on my list is Unknown Island. Do you want to? Okay. I was going to ask you about that because I, I love I was, Unknown Island. I was on now, the fence. Is that the best film on this list from some of the other fantasy films that we have? Is it a better film than, say, The Bishop's Wife? <laughs> <laughs> and hmm. or Miracle on 34th Street. Or The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. And the answer is probably no. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a better monster film than any of those. And I think that's what we really need to kind to uh need to stick with. I mean that, that's what we need to lean on to. If, if there's we ever were, a question if we were yeah, monster short console. on monster films, then I would you know, if we had tons of monster films, maybe it doesn't make it. But, but we are short on monster films. We're doing so okay I, here, yeah. And I love Unknown Island. It's it's a four-star film for me. I know people laugh wow. at, at the, the costume dinosaurs. You know, they've got these guys in suit dinosaurs and a, a guy that looks like an ape, but they call a sloth, and they've got a Dimitrodon, and they've got... They have dinosaurs, and I will... You know, I'm sure someone will prove me wrong with this with something really cheesy. Generally, I will take a guy in a dinosaur costume over lizards blown up to look like they're huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Unknown Island gets points from me okay. for that. And it's in color. And it's the first color dinosaur film. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm pretty strong putting that on as one of the best films of of 47, 48. Do we want to keep scared to death on there or do we want to bump it? What else? How many we got? Well, that's five. 
Well, what were you, what else were you thinking of? Well, we didn't talk, I mean, you mentioned it and I didn't put it on there. The amazing Dr. X. I, I, the amazing Mr. X is, I put it down as more suspense noir than horror. Okay. Um, may it, does it have real psychic powers and stuff in it? I, don't, I, think don't, it does. I don't think it does. So generally, you know, under my Scooby-Doo rule. Yeah. Well, what about the <laughs> creeper? Thrown out. Now that that's the other one. The other one that's, uh, I haven't finished watching it, but definitely has horror and monster overtones is the creeper. And that's I, a film I hadn't even heard of until we l- started looking at this. This is not the Rondo Hatton creeper. No, no, this it's is a, something else. It's a story about a woman who's afraid of cats and sees sees the cat stalking her as a, a monster mm-hmm. that uh, has a hand that looks like something out of the Henson workshop. And so that's pretty cool. Is it a great film? If we're going to, if it's a tough call, then. <laughs> because we also have, at least on my list, we also have Dick Tracy meets gruesome. And that's a Karloff film. And it's a Dick Tracy film and gruesome is gruesome. A monster. It's Karloff. <laughs> I didn't even consider that. Oh man. A tough call, right? Right. All right. Well, um, let's let that one kind of simmer while I go back and check the, the poll results. Oh, I was, yeah, I was just wondering about that. How, how'd the poll go? Oh, uh, okay. 78% of the vote says yes. Includes Sam Jaff, Jaffe. So, all right. So he'll end up on that particular ballot. He's on the list, Jaffe fans. And those of you that don't like him, don't think he should be there, you vote for someone else. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. There were a couple of people that were against it, but, you know. But... Yeah, and I can understand that. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you run, about, run up against changing standards like that, where something is so different from yeah. maybe what we do now. At least this character's respectful portrayal of an Asian character. It's not a, yes, it's a cliche in some ways. It's, you know, the Asian high llama who's above everyone else. I mean, is is there a right way to do that? Uh, Not really, but there are better ways to do it. Gosh, I I don't even want to defend it. Never. I'm about to step into something I can't. Never mind. (laughs) Um, I, I, I will, you know, and. And I could even I would even do this with a film that you reviewed recently that you you can't put modern standards onto past films and be make that your whole reason for disliking something. Right. You know, whether it's people I blackface is really hard to take for me for certain. Yellowface somewhat less so depending upon the circumstances and stuff. Sometimes it's hideous. And sometimes it's not so hideous. Sometimes it's just, you know, they put a good, they wanted that, that character, that actor in that part. Yeah. Sometimes it's the Batman serial. Sometimes it's Christopher Lee's Fu Manchu. It's, you know, it's, uh, so yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the Batman serial, that one's hard to take, <laughs> even though it's, you know, it's a great art actor. It's, um, what's his name from, uh, House of Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? I, I don't even know. <laughs> is he, well, is he's the great character actor who was, his last film was uh, Frank, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Why? Oh, uh, someone tell me his name. Jake Carroll Nash. 
Yeah, Carol Nash. Right. I was getting Carol, and I'm like, no, it's not Leo J. Carol. He mm-hmm. was over a barrel when Tarantula took that. Oh, and Jay there's Carol. Scott Pliskin just commented. Yeah, I left a note about J. Carol Nash. Also, he, he makes a good point. As gruesome as gruesome is, he really is just a gangster. So I don't... Is, yeah. Isn't he a gangster in, in horror makeup, though? Because Dick Tracy was full of people in... All of Dick Tracy's foes are are like freakishly strange looking. I know. That was one of the hallmarks of Dick Tracy. Anyway, if if that's a reason not to put it on the list, that that's fine, too. You know, Karloff might sneak back in as as the gangster later we'll see how many nominations we have so if we're going for just pure great fantasy films you know we we mentioned three if we want to put them on the list the bishop's wife is a very is a terrific film very touching cary grant is an angel who comes down to earth to help uh david niven's bishop who is kind of a stick in the mud and maybe ends up falling for the bishop's wife it's wonderful uh ghost and mrs muir that's a classic story. It was a TV show when I was a little kid. Miracle on 34th Street. This is the good one, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. It's, it's the original one. <laughs> Not that any of them were really terrible, but the original one is a classic and is brilliant. And it's a fantasy because he's, you know, he's St. Nick. Um, anyway, we could put any of those on. What, what do we got on it right now? I can't believe we've been talking about for just best picture this whole time. Uh, I've got five on here, which, you know, I'm comfortable leaving with just the five. Okay. All right. Let's do that then. Let me save this document and uh, we're going to dive in. Oh, wait. Yes. I forgot to mention the monkey's paw. It's short. Does it deserve to be on the list? 1948. I think. Is that? Is that the one I showed on the stream? That's the famous one. What? Did I show that on the stream at one point? Maybe. Not sure. Where is the monkey's paw? I don't even see monkey's paw on your list. It's on. It's in 1948. Under. Oh yeah, go to 48, Derek. <sighs> I see it. Yeah, I I think that's the one. I think that's the one we saw at Monster Bash two years ago. Oh, maybe that's it. I think. Let me take a look at it. It's an hour and four minutes long. Oh, okay. So this is a little quirk with me, and it's not just regarding the rallies, but just in general. When I worked at Blockbuster Video many, many moons ago, you see kids, there used to be a place you could go. (laughs) I have a (laughs) feeling. Movies on the wall. I have a feeling that the audience for this already knows what Blockbuster Video was, and most of them were there at (laughs) one point. Uh, But back then, the rule was if it's an hour or more, it's a feature. And that, for whatever reason, stuck in my head. So the monkey's paw. Kind of, that's the way. That's the way it used to work in the theaters too. Which is why you get so many films that are sixty-one minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm cool with putting the monkey's paw on here. It's a good yeah, one. No, it's 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 good. All right, done. All right, let's move on to what do you want to do? Director next. Yeah, that's that's probably easiest. I think Although, that's you know this is. Again, one of these were the fantasy films, I think, may intrude. So so what I've got on my list are Charles Barton and Walter Lance for Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, uh, Joseph L. Mankiewicz for Ghost of Mr. Muir, Mrs. Muir, and Gene Yarbrough from The Creeper. Oh, cool. All right. Um, 
Let's see. And did we end up putting the creeper on or not? I forget. I don't think we did, but I think it's okay if we you know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of a it's kind of film noir thing, and it's it's actually pretty good. Um, let me look at these guys here, and rule out the cereals. There were a lot of cereals. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about Lured with Boris Karloff in, in either, uh, which has Lucille Ball as well. I don't know if you've seen that. I've not. Uh, it's actually it's pretty good. Karloff is not in it as much as I'd hoped because he's not the main villain, um, but he is in a, a very creepy part in the middle of it. And Lucille Ball is uh, she plays a, a woman who is recruited by the police department to become a detective. Okay, if you can imagine it. So it's not a funny part for Lucy. All right. Um, so you've got those two, three. Did you have two or three? I have three. three. I would think you would probably have to put on George Seaton for Miracle on 34th Street, um, unless you want to say he wasn't really Santa Claus, <laughs> in which case it doesn't qualify. Um, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, we've included um, – what was I about to say? I have no idea what I was about to say. I, I don't either. <laughs> We're we're two thousand miles apart. I can't read your mind that far away. Okay, yeah. It would despite what it may seem. George Seaton is on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, you know, he's uh, really that's a really well directed film. Uh, that, and that's four. And oh, let me see here. Uh, do you want to put in uh, William Deedley for Portrait of Jenny? Because that's a brilliant film. It's a really good film. It's the direction what makes it good. I like it because no, of the, the performance. I really like the actor in that. <coughs> or we, Henry, have you seen The Bishop's Wife? I have not. I really like it. It's, yeah? And uh, the direction, I think, is a big part of it. It's hard to judge on a Cary Grant film because you put Cary Grant in anything. It's almost always good. You know, he's Cary Grant is for regular movie fans like Boris Karloff is for us. You know, put him in every anything, and chances are it's going to be good. Okay. Well, so I would put Henry Costner okay. down for that, even though that you know we're loading up that that category with fantasy film directors. But I'm okay with that. So we've got five so far, uh, and I do want to uh, come in here real quick. So. Uh, Daughter of Darkness was just brought up in the chat. Uh, Daughter of Darkness is a British film, came out in 48. I have not seen it, uh, so I don't know anything about it. The title? I have not either. Yeah, the title sounds creepy, and it does turn up on best of horror lists. Um, but I, I I don't know. I have this feeling I may have researched that and decided it wasn't actually a horror film. Yeah, I don't know either. So, but but I do want to acknowledge that somebody brought it up. Now, I oh, it's got Honor Blackman. Cool. Uh, you know, I I could be mistaken, and I can always go in and watch it and decide. Well, that needs to be my right end because I have, you know, I I I like to participate sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it sounds more like a murder mystery to me, it, and I think that's why I got bumped off my list. I I think I did look at it. Yeah, same with 1948's Inner Sanctum. You know, it's kind of a murder mystery, which, you know, works. I mean, and, and I know we've gone that route before, um, but uh, I've not seen Inner Sanctum from 48 either, so. 
Hmm, that's not reg- part of the regular series, so no, no I haven't seen it either. Mm-hmm. But it's I've seen a lot of these other ones, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've seen Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, I've seen One Touch of Venus, I've seen, you know, all, all sorts of other ones. Um, so there may be something here we've missed, but I'm, I'm good with I'm, sticking with I'm five. I'm good with that, too. If you want to stick with five. Works for Unless me. Unless you want to put on Jack Bernhard for Unknown Island, man. Have, if those of you who have watched, we showed Unknown Island on just recently, yeah, uh, the Monster stream a couple of times. Once very recently, it's it's like a film noir with dinosaurs in it. So I just love it. I think it's awesome. I'm putting them on the list. Oh, thank you, man. All right, so uh, let's bounce over to Best Actress. Best Actress. Boy. First of all, what you got? I need to save something here because I'm I'm creating these documents as we go, and I may have, I want to make sure I don't overwrite something because I'm using the same t- document for a template. So, okay, best actress. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, we're we're gonna be fine here. Don't worry about this. It's got... all gonna be good. It's all gonna be good. I just have to do some IMDb foo and, and find the actresses I want. What if did I? Hold on a sec. I need to double check something. Uh, yes. Stand by. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, we're good. I didn't I didn't screw up so bad. All right. Oh, good. Okay. So <laughs> I have here. I have three. Uh, I have Lenore Arbert, or Arbar. I'd have to double check the pronunciation of her last name, but she plays the evil Dr. I think it's Mornay from Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh God, I love her. She's yeah, she's great. awesome. I have Jane Tierney from the ghost of Mrs. Muir. And you know what? Here's a movie we haven't talked about yet. Virginia Gray from Who Killed Doc Robbins. I, wow, I don't even know that. I film. like that one. It's a, it's a Hal Roach production. Uh, it's very Little Rascals esque. Um, Doc Robbins is this. You know, uh, Virginia Gray is accused of killing Doc Robbins, and the kids, the Rascals, quote unquote, are trying to prove her innocence. And it's it's a fun little kind of old dark house movie with some rascal antics. I like it. I've played it on the stream a few times. Huh? How have I missed it? Somehow I've missed. This. Well, it's not got a very good transfer, so it probably doesn't get talked a lot about a lot. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, All right. Well, I'm going to add to that. So, how many was that? that two or three? That's three. I'm going to add to that Virginia Gray from Unknown Island. Is she? In, I think she's very good. Is she in that as well? Yeah, Virginia Gray. Is she in the the one you just mentioned? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe we'll. <laughs> hey, no. Hey, you know what? I guess it was a good year for her, huh? Yeah. Yeah, she's the she's the the only woman character in Unknown Island. True. She's fab. Well, I don't know. All if right, anybody, here's one you don't. I don't know if anybody checked the undercarriage of those dinosaurs, but I think you're probably right. <laughs> here's one you don't have. It's Loretta Young as Julia Broham, the Bishop's wife. Okay. The titular character in the Bishop's wife. You know she what? Is the. I want to go back to this Virginia Gray thing because I think. We're going to put her on there for both, but only one entry. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. 
I like that idea. Okay. I like it too. All right. So Loretta Young. Okay. We're going to also put on Maureen O'Hara, the most lovely woman in all of early cinema, maybe. The great Maureen O'Hara as the mom in Miracle on 34th Street. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, but I didn't include anything from that. So, yeah, good call. And uh, do we need any more? Is that five? That is five. So somebody's brought up The Snake Pit from 1948 a few times. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. It came out in 48. Olivia de Havilland is the lead. Psychological drama. Hmm. Snake put 1948. Yeah, I may have looked at that and decided that it was not a horror film. Yeah, it doesn't. Maybe that because, as we me- I mentioned at the top, we are deep into film noir at this point. Yeah. And so it probably even this, though it has it has a title that probably would have gotten me to underline it in the TV guide. Yeah. <laughs> It may just be a film noir rather than detailed chronicle of a woman during her stay in a mental institution, says IMDb. Right. And I'm sure it's really good, and Olivia's fabulous and everything, but I have a feeling it's not really a horrific picture as such. So let's go ahead and move on to Best Actor. If you want one more, we could um, pull up the Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. Because The Mermaid, I think it might be Glynis John. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Let me let me see if I can get this going here. Anne Blythe. William Powell, Anne Blythe. Is Anne Blythe the mermaid? She is. Anne Blythe the mermaid. Is it good? I mean, oh, I haven't it seen like it. A, so. It's a fun film. It's a fantasy film about a guy that falls, falls in love with a mermaid. And she's really a mermaid. It's not like a girl in a mermaid suit. And Anne Blythe is the mermaid. All right. Works for me. I trust you, sir. So best actor, I have a handful. And I have a feeling we're going to overlap with some. Um, yep. It's Richard Denning, man. I love Richard Denning. So Richard Denning from Unknown Island. Rex. Oh, of course. Yeah. Rex Harrison from The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Now, even though I admitted to having not seen The Creeper, it's Onslow uh-huh. Stevens. Onslow Stevens is an underrated mad scientist actor. He does a great job in House of Dracula. I love him in that. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to assume he does a great job in The Creeper as well. I don't know. What do you think, you can, If you want to put him on the, the, the list, as I said, I only got halfway through The Creeper. Okay. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't want to. It's just because I ran out of time. Uh, I've, you you can put them on that list on merit yep. and, from other lists. And if, if we're wrong, people won't vote for him anyway. I've got Gordon Harker. Gordon Harker played the insurance man in Things Happen at Night. Um, I really liked him in that. Okay. Yeah. All right. They kind of, you know, I, I just, I really enjoyed him and I loved the chemistry between him and the patriarch of the family. And uh, just, I just, yeah, the more I think about that movie, the more I, look back on it very fondly. I'd like to watch it again soon. Uh, and I also included Lon Chaney Jr. from Abbott and Kazomi Frankenstein because, darn it, Lon Chaney Jr. cannot play Lawrence Talbot poorly. That man was born for Talbot. 
And oh right, yeah, know, of course. Duh. You know, why didn't they even think of that? And did you even put Bela Lugosi on the list for? <laughs> I didn't. Um, Abbott Costa, are you crazy? I didn't put Lugosi or Glenn Strange or, or anybody else. Do you think Lugosi you should, should be on Lugosi. there? Do you think so? Absolutely. I think his portrayal of Dracula is one of the things that makes that movie. He is better in this than he is in Scared to Death. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Although, you know what? I'll put him down for Scared to Death, too. Why not? Well, if you're going to combine them, yeah. Yep. There, We could... This is... Despite our complaining about the dearth of nominees for this set of years... The best actor category we could fill up really easily mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, we've probably got five already. We haven't even mentioned Barton McLean from Unknown Island, who plays the captain who has kind of a mental breakdown during the whole thing. He's terrific. We have in Miracle on 34th Street, we have Edmund Gwynn, who plays Santa, Santa Claus, Chris Kringle. In oh boy. The Bishop's Wife, we have... Cary Grant again, and David Niven as the bishop. They're both fabulous. So we're running into uh, where we have too many, which is great. Um, but how so do we narrow it is, down? Yeah. Well, I think as much as I like the fantasy films, I think we have to shade more toward the monster films. I mean, it's Monster Kid Radio, so yeah, I think it so. is Monster Kid Radio. I think Radio. so. So. You know, we'd have to, if we've got uh, Richard Denning and Barton McLean from Unknown Island, and who are the other ones? Uh, Bela Lugosi and Lon Chaney from from uh, Yeah, Frank's, so Chaney, uh, Lugosi. I put Rex Harrison from Ghosts and Mrs. Muir. Um, Onslow Stevens and Richard Denning. And you wanted the other guy from Unknown Island as well? I would put Barton McLean in. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's the guy that played the, the sweetheart in Torchy, too. But I think he's... If you remember, he's just, he's really. Oh, he's awesome. He's, yeah. He's kind of scummy and unhinged and occasionally noble and stuff. He's really, he probably has more breath to his part than anyone else in that film. No, I, I really like Martin McLean. So, but. Yeah, no, he's a great actor. Great actor. Very, you know, just a character actor generally. So you're not going to see him in a lot of lead roles. And boy, if I had to pick one person from these other fantasy films i don't even know it's like if we needed one more uh we didn't even talk about miss uh, william powell as mr peabody and mr peabody and the mermaid again he's he's a guy that didn't make bad movies right um i would probably go with edmund gwen as chris kringle just because he made me believe you know what i'm gonna put we're gonna have a rare uh instance of seven people on the ballot <laughs> You know, we could. I, this would be really weird. We could split the ballot between oh, God. fantasy and monsters. We could have a best fantasy actor, best monster. Uh, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> well, no, it'd just be one category. And that way we could have two categories of five, maybe. And rather than one of. I don't, I don't. Just thinking. Yeah, I. Mm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna veto that. Oh come on! Nah, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna veto it, man. But we are gonna have seven right. nominees. We're gonna have seven sure nominees. You don't want to do a poll there. I'm I'm positive <laughs> on this one. I'm positive on this one. All right, let's let's All let's right, move on. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, well, that puts us to the end. That puts us to the big bad, the monster. 
1948. Wow, we've actually got this far and didn't bang our heads out against the wall. This is great. I'm, I'm really liking the way this is coming together. Every year, the ballot comes together in a different way. And so far, this has been really cool. Um, yeah, it's been a lot I've of really fun. It. I, you know, I knew we were going to kind of do a lot of improv in mm-hmm. some sense, putting the ballot together here. Uh, but you managed to pull enough stuff together that between what you'd written down and what I wanted there and didn't have time to write down, it's really yeah. Well, the listeners will be the judge, <laughs> but I think it can't. It's turned out really well. Well, this is a hard category in the fact that you obviously have to put on the Wolfman from Abner Costello meets Frankenstein, and you obviously have to put on Dracula from Abner Costello meets Frankenstein. Uh, and... Glenn Strange actually gets to talk as the Frankenstein monster, yeah. so if you want to put him on there, I probably couldn't argue with that either. And you know we can't do this with you, Steve, without giving the dinosaurs from Unknown Island a nod. we got to put them on right, there. Right, yeah. So. Absolutely. And then the question becomes, do you want to put in the giant sloth slash ape from there, too? Oh, I forgot about Yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, so you could put the dinosaurs or you could you could call them all the creatures of the Unknown Island if you want to lump them all together because they're really awesome. OK. All right. I'm, I'm cool with and that. And they're guys in suits. Yeah, you can or you can split them up better. if you want. Which but is... I think we're going to have plenty of things, creatures, people. Yeah in this category for the, the best monster. I don't think Terry Grant qualifies as the best monster. No, I think as an angel, I think we're probably not. Yeah. Or Chris Kringle. So we don't have to worry about them. Is the mermaid from Mr. Peabody and mermaid. Is that a monster? See, I don't know. Like I said, I've not seen it, so I can't really talk on it. Check it out. It's somehow I've managed. Well, I, I used to go in and mark fantasy films, anything Mark fantasy. I would watch. I still do. Uh, so how many, that probably makes four at least. Yep. So we're, I'm setting at four right now. And we could easily put in the, the evil mad scientist from Abbott and Costello, but let, let me look at this list again for another minute. Well, I mean, the, you didn't want to put in gruesome, right? Right. I think we're going to pass on gruesome, but what about the creeper, the, the cat monster from that? I don't, I don't, unless there's something late in the film. Okay. I don't think we see enough of that to to put that in and out as a monster in a a situation where we're not just desperate for monsters. Okay. You know, the uh, is the ghost and the ghost and Mrs. Muir a monster? It's a ghost. You know, I'm I'm looking at your list here. Um Is there something in the monkey's paw? Oh, not really. Okay. You know, I I don't think, I mean, the monkey's paw is not really a monster as such. It's certainly creepy enough to be, this is weird. We had just ran into sections that were, you know, we had way too many actors (laughs) and now we're struggling to find monsters. Night has a thousand eyes. I'm not familiar with that one, but it's got Edward G. Robinson in it. Yeah, I think I've seen it, and I can't remember what its uh, what its deal is. If it's more horror or noir, uh, but it didn't make it onto the, okay. the list. Okay. Uh, you could split off the 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 gorilla from the dinosaurs in unknown. Okay. I, would, I think that'd be actually probably a good choice. There is a man in a gorilla suit in Who Killed Doc Robbins as well. 
that I thought about putting oh, on here. Oh, which is not on my list. Yeah. yeah, that's not on my list. But so. it's a man in a gorilla suit. I mean... Yeah, I love men in gorilla suit. Well, that's why I was kind of saying... <laughs> you have to put gorilla slash sloth, though, if you do the Unknown Island one. <laughs> because they call it a sloth, right? Oh, yeah. Even yeah. though it's obviously a gorilla. And I think that's to avoid being sued by King Kong. Um, I'm going to put the gorilla from Doc Robbins on here. We've got dinosaurs and... Uh, dinosaurs, excuse me, and... Uh, the other BCs from Unknown Island. We got the three monsters from Abbott and Costello's romp. I suppose technically you could put the Invisible Man on there too if you want. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I seriously would think about putting the woman mad scientist on the list. She's really? a monster. She's terrible. <laughs> I like her. You know, really, as much as I love the monsters in that, I feel like that movie doesn't happen without her. Right, exactly. You know, if without exactly. her... Without, I mean, she and Dracula set the whole plot in motion, mm -hmm. and she becomes a she becomes a vampire or something later. Yeah, she? a very <laughs> ambitious vampire, and I mean, she's great. She's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I think she, I think she belongs on the list. Doctor Sandra Mornay. Doctor Sandra. Hey, well, that gives us now enough. That's six, that right? does it. Holy cow, Steve! Look, what just happened? <laughs> Did you say Yahtzee? <laughs> Yahtzee. Yep. Yahtzee. Yeah. Wow. Oof. All right. So we've got, let's see. Yeah. The problem with these years, I agree, is that monsters were just less popular. And we were talking about that at the very beginning, too, is that just at the time, because of stuff going on with the Hays Code, depending on which decade you're in, or the fact that we're still recovering from what happened with the war or, or whatever, just people were not interested in the spooky. They, they wanted something different. And... Hollywood reflects that. Um, all this stuff is cyclical. All this stuff kind of comes in waves and trends and is fascinating to look at. And that's actually something that I really appreciate about the rallies that it's given me an opportunity to really kind of look at the differences. I, I know inherently there's a difference between Dracula and Frankenstein at Universal and the Wolfman. There, there's a difference in feel for those movies. And it's not just because it's a different monster. Dracula and Frankenstein were the thirties, Wolfman's the forties. And that is enough to make those two movies, those three movies feel different. And it's, it's just interesting to me to kind of look at that from a anthropological cinematographical point of view. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why it's been fun to jump through the decades every, yeah. every time we do this. Yeah. And that you, you get back from the thirties and the forties and, and we could, you know, we get caught in the doldrums here. Someone mentioned Sinbad, the sailor, on the stream chat I just and that. I love that movie with uh, Douglas Fair Fairbanks Jr. and Anthony Quinn and Marino O'Hara, I think maybe it's a beautiful Technicolor film and it's lavishly produced and it's got a great treasure seeking story but it's not actually a fantasy story it is in the fact that it never happened but it's more of a historical drama with Sinbad it doesn't have any monsters it doesn't have any magic it has you know, medieval science and stuff. So I, I don't think that qualifies as a fantasy movie, even though as a kid, I found it after seventh voyage of Sinbad. It's like a Sinbad movie. This will have monsters. It's going to be really cool. And it doesn't have any monsters, but it's a really <laughs> cool movie anyway. <laughs> well, as always too, there's the right in possibility. So there is, and if you disagree, yeah, and Steve may make an argument for was the tale of the Fox. Is that what it was? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. The Tale of the Fox from The Tale of the Fox, Le Roman de Renard. So, um, I do need to start wrapping up. Uh, my day job is eight hours of answering the telephone, and we've been recording for about an hour and a half. Uh, we chatted longer than that because Steve and I had to do our preps. So my throat is about shot. Uh, <laughs> I need to give my voice box a rest. Steve, you mentioned something you're working on. Uh, but what is it again? Let people know. All right. The, the, the newest thing that people can see is Monster Shark on a Nude Beach. And it comes out for Amazon's Kindle Vela program every 13th of the month so there will be a new one out in just a couple of days after you hear this or depending upon Derek's schedule it, it may have just come out so that is there you can find it on kindle you can go to my site and find its page there and then link through on my site it is buffbeach.com that is buff is in both pumped up and or naked so double entendre there yes. i'm glad you clarified that because i was about to make a comment buff as in you know steve and i we're buff but then you're like naked it's like that's not how we're recording and yeah so. <laughs> well i i can't see your pants man and, and i'm obviously <laughs> just a picture on the screen <laughs> all right well that just this just got weird and it's my fault um. So uh, so that is the latest and greatest. And of course, there's always free stuff on my site, stephendsullivan.com. Or if you can't spell Stephen with a PH, sdsullivan.com. Or follow the link in the show notes. Did I mention that the, the, the Monster Shark co literally cost pennies an episode to read? Okay. So it's a, it's a cheap way in to find out if you like it. And the first three chapters are, are free. And when you sign up, you get 200. 200 points to spend on future chapters so that would probably get you at least uh, four or five chapters more i think right on now i'm going to mention this in the show elsewhere but for those of you who are watching live the hollywood theater next week on tuesday the 15th for some reason <laughs> they're showing a 16 millimeter film print of creature of destruction <laughs> wow I think that's probably all that exists of Creature of Destruction. You know what? I don't think they've got I, <laughs> I, 32 millimeter. I've seen the movie. I, I, you know, it's part of the repressed cinema series, so I'm sure we're going to get into some stuff that's going on there with that. But it's a Larry Buchanan flick. I know that Dominique is going to be there. Dominique Lamsey is the one that alerted me to it. Oh, man, I would go just to hang with Dominique for that. Flick. I think I'm going to go. Um, I'm, I'm almost positive I'm going to go. So, if you're in the Those area... Those of you who haven't seen it, it is the remake of She-Creature for television. Yep. Which is also a great so. flick, I feel like, so... No, I love She-Creature. Yep. I love She-Creature. Uh, Creatures of Destruction is... Well, it's the same monster costume that he, Buchanan used in, like, three other pictures. But, okay, we won't hold we won't hold that against him too much. And it's got Les Tremaine. It does have Les Tremaine, which is awesome. You can never have the opposite of Les, Les Tremaine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a, one of the great voices of radio yeah. and, and television and a fine actor. So, uh, yeah, so uh, check out Steve's stuff at the links in the show notes for what he just told you. The show notes, obviously, at monsterkidradio.net. Those of you who are watching or hearing this live, this episode will be coming out later this week over at monsterkidradio.net. You'll hear what you just heard here, but you're also going to hear uh, Kenny's Look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. I might even have an email in the mail call to go through. And of course, some cool surf music. So check it out. Steve, thank you for doing this, this experiment. I think it worked out pretty well. 
It did. It worked out, you know, way better than I, I feared it might. <laughs> Actually, it, it was great. I enjoyed it immensely. How soon do you think the ballot will be up? I would like to get it out when this episode goes live Thursday night, Friday sometime. That's Oh, you're an ambitious man, my friend. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we shall Cross see. Cross your fingers. We shall see. So, actually, we'll end on that. All right. So, uh, this little extra little bit of bonus for the nine people who are watching. Thanks for tagging along with us. I appreciate everybody who uh, checked it out. Uh, please consider following the channel so that next time we do something crazy like this, you get notified. And, yeah, Steve, thank you for uh, leering at me in that still photo with that st uh, stitches in your head for the past hour and a half. <laughs> Well, you're very welcome. And for those of you that didn't know, those are actual stitches that I obtained while watching this stream in the middle of last summer and uh, took a couple of snaps after that. Yeah. So after falling into the bookcase. And yes, this is not a crazy made up excuse for what happened. I fell into the bookcase, pushed it back full of books uh, about an inch <laughs> across the floor with my head mm -hmm. accidentally. Right. And, uh, earned nine stitches for my trouble. So there you go. Now, whenever somebody's doing like a scar comparison contest, Steve can just point and say, yeah, well, this is for my lobotomy. And then, you know, he, he <laughs> exactly. wins. He wins. I'd rather have a <laughs> bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's an old joke, but <laughs> I'm getting to be an old guy. So oh, there, there you, go. you go. All right. I'm going to switch us over to the standby screen and then, uh, and the stream will go raid somebody, uh, Steve, stick around for a few more if you don't mind. No problem. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Signing off. Viewing completed. Computer ready. Firing tower ready for firing. Fire. T minus 60 seconds. 57, 56. Here is the picture it took courage to make. It took tens of thousands of years to build our civilized world of today. Tens of thousands of years in which people fought for the right to seek happiness. We must make certain that future generations will continue to have this right. We cannot destroy this heritage. But the ambitions of a ruthless few may transform this earth into a lifeless wasteland. Do you men believe that peaceful coexistence is possible in this world? What about you, sir? How about you? Can you believe in peaceful coexistence? You want to, but too many troubled spots are building world tension. It took place yesterday. It's happening today. It may happen tomorrow. terror of a last war is constantly casting its ominous shadow over us. If, within a few hours, a nuclear bomb were to explode over our heads, it can happen tomorrow, so you must see the last war.
Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I want to send you to the ballot for the rally awards, for the rallies. The Monster Rally Retro Awards can be found at tinyurl.com slash rallies2022. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course, but tinyurl.com slash rallies2022. It brings you to a Google form. You can fill it out. There are only two required blanks that need to be filled in, and that's your name and email. We're going to be taking ballots through April 30th, and then Steve and I will get together to announce the winners shortly thereafter. Of course, like I said, this will be in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net, where you're going to find links to everything else that we've talked about here, and our contact information is there as well. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. Monsterkidradio at gmail.com is the email address. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You'll also find links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, and our Patreon all over there as well. I mentioned Twitch over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. We show movies every Saturday from 11 a.m. to around 8 or 9 p.m. Pacific. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. And this Saturday is when robots attack. We're going to be watching movies with robots, and it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I've already received the pre-show that's put together by Scott Morris from Disney Indiana. You're going to see that at the very beginning. And there's a possibility that I'm going to rerun the stream on Sunday. I just won't be as involved or, or as active there. So if you really want to get in on the good times, Saturday is the day to do it. So make sure you join us over there. Subscribe to the channel if you want. Follow at the very least so you are notified whenever we go live, which has been happening a little more often than normal lately. We also have a Tuesday show that starts around 3.30 or so. We've been showing a lot of cliffhangers and serials, but I think we're going to go back to our roots and go back to calling it the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, at least for a few weeks, where we show science fiction movies. So join us for that as well. What's coming up next week? Well, I had an opportunity to go see the movie Creature of Destruction on the big screen. So much like my Return to Weird Wednesday episode not too long ago in the archives over at monsterkidradio.net, I'll be doing another return to a movie theater type episode. And I tell you, the vibe was very different. So come back for that. And then after that, I'm not really sure what's coming up yet, but I've got some things in the works. I'm finally starting to dive into that list of people, list of names that I generated when I just posted on Facebook rather innocently that I need to find some new guests for MKR. And boy, I've got so many to choose from. I'm just trying to start at the top and work my way down. Until next week, when you get to hear me talk about Creature of Destruction, yes, the Larry Buchanan film. Remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Kashyyyk Beach Party, but it's copyright Hattori Hanzo Surf experience you can find it on their album meanwhile in mallorca over at hatora hanzo surf experience.bandcamp.com i know that's a mouthful so just follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net and check them out let them know that monster kid radio sent you 
My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. And R.I.P. Akira Takarada. Ciao.